So as many of you know, I'm originally from New York, and uh, I grew up right next to New York City. Like literally, you can walk from my house to Queens, um, right over the border, and all of a sudden, the pizza just got a lot better. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, in some of my heart, I will always be a New Yorker. As much as I want to be a Minnesotan, um, I still... Uh, Love talking to New Yorkers, the speed of their conversation. It's like talking to a New Yorker for me is like mashed potatoes. It's like, uh, you know, it just feels like it's just what I'm used to. It's what I grew up with. Um, but I want to say today that I'm proud to live in Minnesota. I really am, and I, and, I, and I love this place. And this place, although I don't think I'll ever truly feel like a Minnesotan, this is my home. This is, what, this is, this is, this is where I want to be. Uh, this is where I want to raise my family. We, we, we actually made an act of choice uh, to leave New York, and of course, like New Yorkers do, they said, you're absolutely insane. Why would you ever leave New York? There are no Jews in Minnesota. I said, don't worry, there are Jews in Minnesota, actually, I think, you know? Because, um, <laughs> of course, everything for New Yorkers is New York-centric. Um, and, but the question is, like, why? You know, why, why did I leave New York? Um, and I, I think... What I saw, especially with the city, you know, I was, I didn't start um, at a conservative rabbinic school. I started at HUC, Hebrew Union College, a reform rabbinic school, and I started um, going to their campus in New York City. And I spent a year um, going to school in New York City. I lived in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and I took the F train into um, Greenwich Village every morning to go to rabbinic school. And it was one of the worst years of my entire life. Literally the worst. And I was living in like literally the most expensive area. I was a young guy, the most culture. The, 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 uh, you know, it was, I was the envy of, of many, many people who would love to live exactly where I lived. But I couldn't stand it, and I'll tell you why. You know, I was in rabbinic school, and every day I was studying texts that talked about respecting people's humanity, of being a good person in the world, how to walk as a moral person in this world. And the second I walked out onto the streets of New York City, it all evaporated. Every single message, everything I learned, just evaporated out. Because the being in New York City changed my behavior. It was so persuasive on my behavior, being around other New Yorkers and being in New York City, that my behavior actually changed. You see, you know, I would take the, the, the subway into the morning, and in New York, what's wonderful is, is you can actually live in New York and never see the same person again. Like, there's almost very little sense of neighborhood right? Everybody is transitioning, um, everybody, and, and there's just so many people living on top of each other that I literally felt at the end of the day that people don't treat each other like human beings. They treat each other like numbers, or even worse, they treat each other like obstacles to get around in New York City, especially if you're on the, the subway at rush hour in the morning, smushed against everybody. And I became so, it, it was just amazing how looking around New York City, it was just you might as well be walking around strangers. People just didn't talk to each other. And people treat each other like objects. And I was learning the exact opposite in rabbinic school. But guess what? When I started walking around New York City, I started walking faster, just like they did. I started talking, just like they did. I started, when I was on the subway, I believed that I had to push someone around in order to get my spot. Right? Or move them up the stairway, as they do in New York City. This is just what happens when you live in a certain culture. I think we live under the illusion a lot of the time that we can create our own individual morality and live by it and not be affected by the communities we live in or the people we live around. And that's just a simple falsehood. Human beings by nature are communal beings. 
We are constantly weaved together and influenced by the ones around us. But yet we live in an American illusion that we can just like have our separate morality and no matter where we live, we'll be exactly the same. But it's not true. It's not true. We change based on the locations in which we live. We are involuntarily influenced by the communities we live in and the conceptions of reality that they have, which is one of the major reasons we moved to Minnesota. Because Minnesota is a wonderful place where people are just naturally more communitarian. They care. People in Minnesota, I really feel that people care about each other. People are courteous to each other. People are willing to help each other out. People are family-oriented here, which I really, really appreciate. And that's why I'm so excited to raise my daughter here and my family. But what it proves is that we really are influenced by our community. And by the way, Avraham and Lot in our Parsha faced the exact same ordeal. You know, Avraham and Lot lived near this really big city named Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was the biggest city. It had the greatest culture around. It, had, it was the popular place to live. Oh, the real estate. You should have seen what a one-bedroom cost in Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, man, it was off the charts. It was a wonderful place to live. But what we see that's very interesting is that Avraham chooses not to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. He chooses not to live in the big city. He chooses to separate himself off and live in his own area and create his own culture. And the question was why? Is Judaism about separating ourselves off from the wider culture? Of course not. So then why did Avraham separate himself off? We know that his nephew, Lot, chose the exact opposite option. He lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Unlike Avram, he didn't make that same decision. Well, what we know about Sodom and Gomorrah, if you will pay attention at all in our parsha this week, is that Sodom and Gomorrah is pretty terrible. It's a pretty terrible place to live. But what's interesting is that according to our Midrash and according to our scriptures, according to our legendary tradition, why was it a bad place to live? Was it that they were just doing outright evil or terrible lying, cheating, stealing? Yeah, I guess they were doing those things. But the characteristic thing that Sodom and Gomorrah did wrong was their justice, their sense of right and wrong was completely backwards. As the tale goes, you know, someone would be stolen from in their house. They would be robbed. And they'd find the robber and they would bring the robber into court. And they would have this whole court case. It would look beautiful. It would look, everything would be right. And then at the end, the robber would win the case because the judge would say, well, why do you make it so hard for the robber to take your things? Right? Why do you make it so challenging? Why did you lock the door? So you made it so challenging for him. You made it so hard for him. You should make it easier for the robber. And so on and so on. Things that would seem obvious in terms of morality, were exactly opposite. Sodom and Gomorrah was known as the backwards world, where the justice system, system, although it looked right from an external perspective, they had all the trappings of society, the, the, the idea and the compass of right and wrong was completely backwards. And it was for that reason that Abraham separated himself from that town and lived outside of Sodom. Because he said, I am going to be influenced by those values. Even though I'm Abraham, if I raise my family there, then I'm going to be inevitably be influenced by those values. I'm inevitably going to have my compass turned around of what is right and what is wrong. Lot made the opposite decision. Lot said, I have a strong morality. Hey, I grew up with Abraham. 
All right? I, I, I know who I am. Right? I'm going to be strong. All I need is who I am. And I'll live in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it'll all be perfectly fine. Well, did it turn out all perfectly fine? No. And what's interesting about Lot and what we see is we actually see head-on Lot actually be influenced by the culture of Saddam and Gomorrah. It's, it's incredible, right? What happens when the angels come? What happens when the angels come into town to visit Lot, right? The angels that are eventually going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What happens? Well, the whole, all the townspeople start attacking the angels. They start, um, you know, pushing on the angels. Now, the thing is, they're angels. I think the angels could take care of themselves, Okay, but regardless, the townspeople are attacking these strangers or angels, what have you. And Lot feels a real concern for them, which he, by the way, should. But what does he do? He takes his daughters and throws them out to the barbaric crowd. And because there are children in the room, I'm not going to say what happens to his daughters by that crowd. What you see is that Lot's morality was like sort of there. But you see, it was turned around, that he was willing to, to sacrifice literally his daughters and have them abused for the sake of strangers. And yet, that's what we see in our people today. We have Jews who literally are okay sacrificing their brothers and sisters, throwing them to Hamas for the sake of strangers. That's the backwardness we have. Yeah, it's great that those Jews, they care for the Palestinians and they care for other people who are strangers. That's wonderful. But the fact that they're willing to throw their own family to the wolves, to the literal barbaric wolves who tear people apart and burn babies alive, okay, that is morally backwards and morally corrupt. And the reason this is happening, I think Americans are, are waking up to this right now, it's because we've been in institutions and in, been in places where their morality has been affected. We've put them through colleges and, and, and schools, and they've watched social media on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube that has twisted their understanding of morality. We thought we didn't have to check. We didn't have to look it over. We didn't have to make sure it was right. But they've been influenced by the society around them, and we see that their morality is twisted. So I believe that we should respond the way Abraham responded. We create our own institutions. We create our own places. We create our own sanctuaries where our values are held to the highest level. We create our own synagogues and our own JCCs and our own federation and our own Jewish day schools that are strong, that aren't just Jewish by name, but are Jewish by values. That you walk into a Jewish institution and you feel the support of Israel. You feel that when you walk in here, that you see people who truly care for every Jew in this world, who feel a sense of family. And whether you walk in the Temple of Aaron, Beth Jacob, Mount Zion, the Federation, the JCC, Heilacher, you name any institution, TC Jew folk, Okay, whatever it may be, you feel those values of Judaism and that you feel it's a sanctuary so that we can step away from the influence, the bad influences of the larger society that we're in right now that has a twisted morality. And that when you come here, your morality is pointed straight. And that our kids being raised here and growing up here in our institutions 
can actually truly imbibe and absorb Jewish values. Because we know that the community that people are in, the people that our, our children are around, are the people they're going to end up being. That's just the straight reality. Because we're communal beings. <sighs> Yet we send our children to colleges like Columbia. We're just a couple of days ago, I was told by a colleague of mine who um, was at Hillel just this past weekend there, and it was told that a Jewish, told this by a senior there, that this Jewish student was sitting in an Islamic philosophy class. He was an in international business major at Columbia, Jewish student, and he had to sit through an Islamic philosophy class. And the student got up on the uh, podium and for some reason talking about uh, Islamic empires and Christian empires and everything like that in history. And he said, in 1492, the Jews decided they no longer wanted to live with the Catholics in Spain, and they were unwilling to be nice to the Catholics, so they left Spain. Colombia, four days ago, that high level of an academic institution, that's just not a fact. That is a falsehood. And it's an anti-Semitic falsehood. And guess what? When this student brought it to the, the director and he brought it to the people in charge, guess what they said? Not much we can do. Not much we can do. Sorry, free speech. And the student's parents is probably paying $60,000 a year to send him there. I mean, it's, it's incredible. These are the institutions that we have of our higher learning, that we're sending our children to imbibing these values. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, and we've sat too long just letting these institutions tell our children what values to have. The values they have should not be coming from college. They shouldn't be coming from TikTok. They should be coming from synagogue, and they should be coming from their parents, and they should be coming from their families, and they should be coming from the JCC, and they should be coming from the Federation, and they should be coming from Heiliger and our Jewish day schools. That's where their value should be coming from. And we need to make sure and take seriously those institutions because they're absolutely necessary in order to create strong moral individuals who can deal with the hardships of this world today. We need to invest in them more than ever. But as I lived in New York, the caveat is I also lived next to Kiryas Joel, an enclave of Satmar Hasidim, an enclave of Satmar Hasidim. And these Satmar Hasidim, above all, even all other Hasidic Jews, they are the most extreme ultra-Orthodox Jews, and part and parcel to their tradition is a rejection of the outside world. It's why they live in a ghetto in upstate New York, and they only live around each other. And what's wonderful about that is what their values are become their values. They truly live in a society where everyone has the values that they want, that they, they've been able to create. It's wonderful. And they've cut themselves off from the rest of the world. And that's wonderful that they're able to live in societies where they have the values that they want to have. It's wonderful. But guess what I also saw? The second that the Satmar Hasidim would leave their town, they would throw stuff on the side of the road, throw litter on the ground and not pick it up. They would figure out ways to cheat the system because it wasn't their system, the United States government system. This wasn't their people. They would be nasty to non-Jewish people in the gas stations and in the stores. I lived with these people. They would, be they would be wonderful to each other, but nasty to other people. And because of that, developed a bad reputation 
and honestly created anti-Semitism to other Jews in the community. That's what you get when you're too insular. That's when you only rely on your institutions to create values. But we are conservative Jews, and we are Americans, and we're not leaving this place behind. We are strong Americans. We are supposed to believe in our institutions. We're supposed to believe in working in the system, in being part of the larger community. That's why we're conservative Jews, is we want our Judaism, we want our traditions, but we also want to be in America. And that is a huge value of ours. And for that reason, we can't just simply leave our colleges behind. We can't just leave our public school system behind. We can't just leave America behind, because that's not who we are. We've taken a harder path. We've chose not to just completely isolate ourselves and not care about anyone else except Jews. We've chosen to live in this larger society. So for that reason, we can't be like the Satmar Chassids. We can't say, I don't care about non-Jewish institutions. I don't care about our Columbia and Harvard. Who cares about that? Just send them to Israel or send them to a yeshiva. We can't say that because we are Americans and we cannot give up on our institutions. But that means we take a much harder road. That means we have to work every day to make sure that our colleges are safe places for our young people. That's, we have to make sure that our public schools are able to stand with our Jewish children when they're afraid and to understand the magnitude of what is going on. We have to make sure that the Holocaust is taught in every single school. New laws are literally being passed right now. Because people just don't understand and people don't know. And it would be so easy just to ghettoize ourselves again and sequester ourselves and put up massive walls between us and the non-Jews. But we don't believe that. We believe in having our cake and eating it too. Therefore, we must have strong institutions like Temple of Aaron and Mount Zion, Beth Jacob, the Jewish Federation, Heilacher, all of our institutions must be strong in teaching values and giving children and our community places to be Jews and to learn our values and to fix our moralities. But we also can't give up on the wider world. We have to give funds to the Anti-Defamation League. We have to work and serve on the boards of places like the JCRC that are protecting our community. And we have to do the hard work of dialoguing with non-Jews and with college campuses and presidents and businesses and what have you to make our world a better place for our Jewish community. Avraham famously separated himself from Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's great that he was able to be separated from them when literally sulfur rain rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. But we also know that Avraham had the four corners of his tents open to people who passed by. That Avraham was not shut down from the world. Avraham cared for the world, whether they were Jewish or not. But only, 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 only by having his values be present in those places with those strangers. So just like Avraham before us, just like Avraham before us, I hope and pray that we as a Jewish community can take our energy to strengthen our Jewish institutions, to really make them truly places where Judaism is learned, 
and good values are absorbed, but that we can also do the hard work of mitigating anti-Semitism wherever we find it in the wider world. That it's not okay for Jews, for non-Jews just to, well, happen to not like Jews or happen to not believe the Holocaust was that bad. Not okay. Each and every one has to do that hard work. And it would be so much easier just to sequester ourselves, put ourselves in a barricade in our synagogues and our institutions, or forget about our institutions and just throw ourselves into the wind. But yet, Kani Ratzon, may God give us the strength and the fortitude, the strength in our own institutions and to mitigate anti-Semitism in our wider communities in the world around us. Shabbat shalom, everybody.